Earth Day. Who has a birthday in February? Raise your hand, high and proud. Oh, we've got a couple here. Oh, come on. Statistically speaking, there's more than four of you. Come on, get your hands up, okay? Okay, well, we're, we're going to go ahead and sing happy birthday, and Jason's going to lead us. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know I was doing this until like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> I forgot about the whole birthday his thing. But hey, bo- knew, both, both, of, both of my parents' birthdays are this month, and my dad actually has a birthday this year since it's, uh, since it's a leap year. So <laughs> I guess that makes it pretty special. Um, so yeah, I'll go ahead and sing. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you, and many more. All right, thank you. And now I have to admit this next part is one of my favorite parts, um, uh, activities that happen in a church. We've got a baptism coming up. So if I could ask the families and then Dr. Reverend Sharon and Pastor Pam also to come on up and perform the baptism. Good morning, friends. Let me begin by saying, uh, Jason, I feel um, affinity with you in the things we didn't know we were going to do until 15 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it is always a blessing to gather in the house of the Lord and on the Sabbath, and uh, what an amazing opportunity and what it means to uh, a family. Uh, a young person, and a community of faith when we have the opportunity to celebrate uh, the sacrament baptism. Dearly beloved, Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which grace we became partakers of his righteousness and heirs of his life eternal. Those receiving this sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples.
Do you therefore accept as your bounden duty and privilege to live before this child a life that becomes the gospel and to exercise all godly care that she be brought up in the Christian faith, that she be taught the holy scriptures, and that she learns to give reverent attendance upon the public and private worship of God? Will you endeavor to keep this child under the ministry and guidance of the church until she, by the power of God, shall accept for herself the gift of salvation and be confirmed as full and responsible member of Christ's holy church? Now, Pastor Pam will lead us going forward. What name is given to this child? Gloria Grace Crockerin. That Crockerin name sounds so familiar. I baptize you. Okay, thank you. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, friends, all of you as witnesses and members of this congregation, do you as the congregation accept the responsibility of assisting this family in fulfillment of the baptism vows? And do you undertake to provide Christian nurture and fellowship? If so, please confirm. Members of Okoe Oaks, I commend to your love and care, Gloria Grace Cochran, whom we this day recognize as members of the family of God. Okoe Oaks, will you endeavor so to live that this child may grow in the knowledge and love of God through our Savior Jesus Christ? If so, please read aloud the words appearing next on our screen. Together, with God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that Gloria, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. Let us pray. Let us pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this child, as she grows in years, may also grow in grace and in Jesus and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that by the restraining and renewing influence of the Holy Spirit, she may ever be a true child of yours, serving you faithfully all of her days. So guide and uphold the family of this child, that by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, they may lead her into that life of faith, whose strength is righteousness and whose fruit is everlasting joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. And now I'm going to walk her down because a lot of you know her. This is our little baby, our little Sunday school baby. Oh, 
they left. Okay. I was going to pray, but that's okay. That's fine. Please join me in the reciting of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried that the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's bow our heads as we pray the Lord's Prayer. The words will be on the screen for those who may need them. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Please stand if you are able, as we join our voices in praise, singing song of praise, Lay Me Down. Um, but real quick, before we begin, I uh, just want to introduce someone new. Um, over here on the bass, we have uh, Marcus. He has been doing rehearsals with us since the beginning, but he hasn't been able to um, come to our first couple performances, but he's finally here this morning, so please give him a warm welcome. All right, and join us in this song. Hi. 
can touch every one of our hearts and that we can all go home today with something valuable and that we can all spread your word to everyone around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For today's scripture, uh, Ruth 1, 6 through 18. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to aid his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Ju Judah. 
Then Noemi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show your kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept out loud and said to her, We will go back with you and your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am going to have any... Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me then for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orphan kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. The Ruth clung to her, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, you, sis, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, but it ever so separately. If even death separates you and me, when Naomi realizes that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now may our hearts be prepared for this week's message from Pastor Don Salman, titled Part Two, Better Decisions. Well done. Well done, and, and you know, folks, um, the scouting ministry is such an important ministry, that, and we sponsored it for many, many years, and, and one thing that uh, Reverend Sharon, Dr. Sharon there had, had told me when she got here is that so few um, places still have the scouts, and so we are just so very blessed to have them as, as one of our ministries, and, and thank you. All right, let's pray. Lord, may these words from my mouth and these meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. All right, anybody ready for another 35-minute message like last week? I've warned you guys many times, if I take my eyes off my notes, then you're going to miss your lunch reservation. And it happened yesterday, so I apologize for last week, so I apologize for that. I'm going to stick a little closer because we've got so many great things happening today um, that we're already going to be running a little bit behind. But that's a beautiful thing here, Lord. It's all great things. Um, Lord is blessing us here. Um, doesn't matter what the weather looks like outside. So it's a beautiful day, isn't it? 
Amen. All right, well, last week we started a new sermon series called Better. And the idea there is that we're looking at better ways uh, to live a life that's pleasing to God. And so last week we talked about our priorities and how we can do a better job of setting our priorities based on what we truly believe, and then how can we make sure that we're living out those priorities. And of course, the goal, if you're a person of faith, is that your priorities would align with what God is looking for you to do and from you, right? This week, we're going to be talking about decisions, uh, making better decisions. All right, well, on December 7th, 1941, a lieutenant made a decision that had huge consequences. You see, the radar um, was still new to Americans. And we had just recently gotten one installed in a location in the Pacific. At 7 o'clock in the morning, while two soldiers were on duty to watch the, the little TVs of these new radar-fangled things that they got in, suddenly the whole scope turned up and a bunch of dots all over the scope. They immediately alerted the lieutenant, who was the person on duty there, and, and said, well, what's going on? And the lieutenant said, well, I don't know. They're still new. They're probably still working out the kinks. I think that's probably just a bug in the system. So he decided that they didn't need to worry about it. 20 minutes later, all those dots arrived in Pearl Harbor. You know, this morning, I made a decision, a couple of them, but one of the decisions I made is to come in here early. There's a lot going on, right? Beautiful. It's Scout Sunday. There's a baptism. We've got full communion, all this with the band. So I decided I was going to forego my second cup of coffee this morning and come on in here, get things done early. I'm not saying that my decision this morning in any way can equate to the decision that was made by that lieutenant so long ago. But, you know, there's no way for me to know what the end of the ripple effect of my decision this morning looks like, is there? Seems menial, right? I mean, it's, it's minuscule, but we, we only know how it impacts us. But what about everybody else? What if I was going to be on my phone at an intersection, which I never am, Later today, and someone behind me was going, saw my brake lights because I'm sitting there at the light. And so that alerted them that the light was red. Um, and I didn't even see them coming. I didn't even know they were there. But had I not been there this morning at that time, they would have gone through a red light, caused an accident. We don't know what could have happened, right? We don't know what the ripple effect of our decisions could be. Our message today speaks of the importance of decisions. They say that decisions determine destiny. Our life is shaped largely by the decisions that we make. What I am as a Christian, as a husband, as a pastor, as a father, as a human being, both the good and the bad, what I am is largely because of the summation of the decisions I've made throughout the course of my life. And there's been some big decisions, right? We all make big decisions in the course, but that's, those might be the big course corrections, but really our lives are made up of a ton of tiny decisions that we make 
every day. A lot of them without even thinking about it, right? So after this introduction, you're sitting there, oh my gosh, now I got to worry about every, even the small decisions. What is he doing to me? This is supposed to stop me from worrying. Well, I, I warned you a couple weeks ago, and then again last week, we're not going to let this fruits of the Spirit exercise go. We're going to keep bringing it up because it is key to living a life um, that pleases God, a key to the living the life that Jesus is asking us to. And so those that have been doing pretty well uh, with the fruit of the Spirit exercise, you might already realize that the more you grow in the fruits, the more our decisions will reflect the growth in you of the fruits. You grow in the fruits, and suddenly these decisions get made at a higher level and focus more on God without you even thinking about it. Kind of almost puts you on autopilot if you're growing in the fruits. Then your decisions automatically get upgraded, especially all the ones that just happen day in and day out. You do a better job with them. For help with the bigger decisions, let's look to our scripture reading for the day. In it, we see three decisions made which influence the lives of three women forever. These women, uh, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, all had lost their husbands in Moab. They're all widows, food was scarce, and all had lost, uh, excuse me, and, um, and apparently they had no means of supporting themselves. There was no mention of male, males or relatives um, in to protect, protect them and to provide for them. And, and back, this is a thousand years or more before Christ, that was almost a death sentence for women back then, right? So they were in a tough, tough spot. And you know, often the most crucial decisions in our lives, those big ones, tend to be um, the case that we have to make those decisions in some of the toughest times of our lives. Isn't that true? Now, these women face these trying times, and so let's, dis- let's examine the decisions they made in the midst of it. Um, I'm going to start by reading the passage again. This time, I'll also include the first five verses of, of Ruth uh, chapter 1, so you can get more context around it. But I think it's important. It is long, but it's important to really understand the full, the full context and what we're trying to teach and learn here today. So starting with uh, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from, Beth- from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Mahalon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites, or Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab to live there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left uh, with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they lived there for about ten years, both uh, Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons or her husband. Now we pick up from the reading earlier. When Naomi heard that Moab, uh, in Moab, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, what that means is whatever was causing the lack of food before, whether it was a drought or whatever, that was over. 
Um, and so there was now food again available in that region. So she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Noemi, or Naomi, I have a good friend saying Noemi, and it's really hard. <laughs> uh, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you the kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We'll go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. What would you come with me for? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Of course, the tradition then is if a woman's husband were to die, it was the duty of his brother to marry and provide for the family. Return home, my daughters. I too, I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you really wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand is turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back on you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to leave. All right, well, let's begin Of the three women, let's begin with Naomi, the mother, a woman who faced a series of heart-wrenching losses in her life. She lost her husband, she lost her two sons, all while living in a foreign land that, quite honestly, did not worship God, right? It was, she not only was it a foreign land, but it was not in line with her values and with her faith. So in her grief and despair, she decided to return to her homeland in Bethlehem and urged her daughter-in-laws to go back to their families and just find new husbands, just start a whole new life. Now, Naomi's decision to leave Moab was rooted in pain and sorrow. But it was also a decision to seek restoration and healing. She was in a tough place. She was hurting, and she knew she needed restoration and healing, and she knew she wasn't going to find it in Moab. And sometimes making better decisions requires us to acknowledge our pain and to go back and face our past, take steps towards a brighter future. That's what she was trying to do. Amen. Yes, she was. Now, there's also some concerns about her prioritizing her reputation with the family and friends that were back in Bethlehem over her daughters-in-law. We can get more into that later, but the the idea here is why would she not want to bring them back that they might marry some of her friends? They're part of a family. 
but they're Moabite uh, women, and Jewish men weren't supposed to marry outside of the faith. And so it could bring a little dishonor on her if people found out that her sons had both married women from Moab. There's a little darker side working in there. So um, now let's talk about Orpah's decision. Verses 14 and 15 say, At at this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. You know, we see in verse 6 and then again in verse 10 where Orpah started to go with Naomi to Bethlehem. And then at the suggestion she goes back, she goes, okay, well, I'm crying because I'm going to go back. And then, no, I'm going to come back here and go with you, but no, I think I'm going to go back home. You know, neighborhood streets of America are filled with flat squirrels that couldn't make a decision and stick to it. I'm just saying. Orpah was a woman of indecision. She started to go with Naomi. She shed many tears. She kissed her, yet she turned back in the end and returned to Moab, the center of adultery and worldliness. It was not a good place to send someone you love. Orpah represents so many people who are close to having faith in God, but never quite get to the point that they can commit their life to God. She was very emotional. Her desire to follow seemed genuine, seemed real. She promised she'd go, but she decided that the pull of the idols, the pull of the darkness, the pull of the world would win, and she went back to Moab. There's no doubt she was in a difficult position, and when she chose Moab, I can't help but believe that her decision, as much as anything, was based on convenience, was based on returning to her old life, something she knew, the path of least resistance. Might not have been great, but she's comfortable there. Opting for familiarity and comfort over faith and unknown. Her decision serves as a reminder that sometimes the easy way out, and actually most of the time, the easy way out seems more appealing, doesn't it? But it seldom leads to what God has planned for us. Seldom leads. The wide gate is easy, but it leads to the path of destruction, is what it says in Matthew 7, 14, right? Paraphrasing that scripture. The easy way out doesn't often work. It's crucial to recognize that better decisions often require us to step out of our comfort zone and just trust God. Make the best decision we can and don't let the world pull us back. You know, that's the last the Bible says anything about Orpah as she slid back to her old life, living in the evils of the world. But there's one more person who makes a decision in this story, and her decision wrote her directly into God's plan for redemption. And it's a beautiful thing. Ruth made the remarkable decision that changed her life forever. She uttered those famous words. You hear it in songs. You hear it in, of course, Scripture, but you hear it in in, uh, hymns. Where you go, I will go. 
Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Her decision wasn't based on convenience or self-preservation or ease or comfort. She knew people back in Moab. The only person she knew in Bethlehem is going to be Naomi. It was rooted instead in faith and loyalty and unwavering commitment and love of God and Naomi. Her choice was to stay with Naomi in Bethlehem despite all the uncertainties, despite all the challenges she knew she'd face, despite being a woman of Moab and moving into a predominantly Jewish town. When faced with troubles in life, the right thing to do is to step up and just trust God. Unlike Orpah, Ruth made the right decision. She made the right decision. Unlike Naomi, Ruth made the right decision and kept the right motives. For a decision to really be worthy of God and and put us in a position where we're heading down the right path, we need to have both, the right decision with the right motives. Because remember, Naomi tried to pressure both to go back. Orpah did, and then Naomi tried again to get Ruth to go back. Back to a place that recognizes all the worldly wonders, all the great things that the world puts out there but refuses to recognize God. Has all their own idols of worship, but not Jehovah. Anybody ever feel like we're under that same kind of pressure to make that kind of decision today? The world and the devil crowds out to us, go back to your old ways. Look at this. Wouldn't this be fun? Don't you really, really want one of these? Come on. You want to be cool, don't you? Come on. Not going to hurt anybody. But God says, no, don't go back. No matter how difficult the situation is that you're in, no matter what the burdens you face, no matter how fiercely the storm is raging outside, no matter what the world offers you, Don't go back. Make the right decision. Ruth made the right decision, and look at the results. She never could have have foreseen the end of this ripple effect caused by her decision. Because of her decision, Ruth meets, does go back with Naomi, and she meets a man named Boaz. And they marry, and she has a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. And he has 12 sons. The youngest one, he calls David. As in the boy who took on Goliath. As in the boy who became one of the greatest kings. Talk about a ripple effect of a good decision, right? Now think about the importance of this. What if Ruth had listened to the advice of Naomi? What if she had taken the easy way out? What if she let her old ways, the ways of the world, influence her decision? You know, of course, you know, God would have just found another route to bring Jesus to earth, right? But this is the plan God had. 
And because she listened, because she focused on what was right, the right decision with the right motives, she was able to play a major part in God's plan. Again, with the smaller decisions, when we're talking about making decisions, grow in the fruits, and those decisions can be quick. They almost go on autopilot. The stronger the fruits of the Spirit, the stronger the Spirit. And the stronger the Spirit, the easier it is to hear them when they tell you, go this way. How many of you, everybody's seen those little commercials, right? One guy's on this shoulder, one guy's on that shoulder, right? Oh, you should do this. No, you shouldn't. The Spirit's always whispering to you. Just got to learn to listen. And the stronger the fruits, the stronger the Spirit, the stronger you can hear the voice. And that helps tremendously with all these decisions, and it puts you on a totally different trajectory than otherwise would be on. And in addition to the fruits with the larger decisions that we have to make, the story of Naomi Orpa and Ruth teaches us that better decisions are made when we prioritize faith over comfort and convenience, loyalty over self-interest, and God's will over our own desires. And yes, that's all pretty much in line with the fruits of the Spirit, aren't they? Amen. Naomi found healing by facing pain and seeking restoration, not sitting back but she chose to hinder others' walk with God for what she saw as, as maintaining her reputation. Orpah's decision to return to her old life seemed like an easier path. That'd be so nice. It's comfortable. Oh, man, I wouldn't have to worry. I know that routine. But Ruth's faith and commitment led her to a life full of blessings that impacted the world for the rest of time. As we go forward, let's remember that our decisions matter. Keep working on the fruits of the Spirit. Choose faith, loyalty, and trust in God, even if the path is uncertain. May we learn from the example of Ruth in seeking God's best in our choices, knowing that He'll lead us to a life of fulfillment, purpose, and absolute abundant blessings. We just have to follow. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for all your many blessings that you bestowed upon us. Help us to live according to your perfect will and to make the right decision for you and for our lives. Because we know, Lord, what 